From Square Two, this is What's Wrong With Revenue. I'm Mike Lieberman, CEO at Square Two, and along with my longtime friend, Eric Kalis, and co-founder at Square Two and six-time entrepreneur, Eric and I will answer the question CEOs have every single day, what's wrong with revenue? You can be part of the Livecast show where we'll answer your questions every Wednesday at 4 p.m. Eastern, or catch the show on demand on YouTube and on all your favorite podcast networks. Also check out all our audio and video content on Square2 Plus at the square2marketing.com website. Enjoy the show. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 56 of What's Wrong With Revenue. It's planning session and you need a new plan to hit your revenue goals in 2023. Sorry, we're getting started a couple minutes late, but things are happening at Square Two. Chris and I are busy trying to take care of customers and clients and prospects and make sure everybody is getting the leads and the uh, results they're looking for. So we're a little bit um, uh, late getting started, our apologies. Um, very excited about this uh, uh, topic today. It's planning season, and it's very likely you're going to need a new plan and hit your goals in 2023. Kristen, thank you for being my guest host today. Eric is out and about speaking at the Sales and Marketing Assisted Living Conference in, in uh, Las Vegas. So uh, I actually spoke there two years ago. He spoke there last year, and he's speaking there again. Um, maybe it wasn't two years ago. It's probably pre-COVID. I talked there, but it's a great conference, and Eric will be back next week. Um, quickly housekeeping for what's wrong with revenue if you're interested in the show go over to youtube check it out uh, you can subscribe to it you can uh, like it you can leave comments the square two channel is where we post all of our video for what's wrong with revenue if you're interested in the show in its podcast form you can get the show on all your favorite podcast platforms apple itunes stitcher podbean and others uh, if you want a interesting content experience, head on over to Square2 Plus. It's our free and relatively new streaming service located at square2marketing.com backslash square2plus. We post all of our audio and video content there every single week, including the show. We have channels for CROs, CEOs, CMOs. We have a HubSpot channel. You can go and get all kinds of awesome audio and video content at Square2 Plus. And if you like the show, we have a page dedicated to, uh, dedicated to the show called What's Wrong With Revenue. It's in a link at the bottom of the website. Click it. You'll see all of our shows. You'll be able to submit questions. We do have a couple of questions we'll handle today. You can also get the show on your schedule so that if you wanted to, you could hop in and join us today live. So Kristen, uh, we're going to talk about planning. It's planning season. A lot of our clients are asking us about plans for 2023. I consider you the guru of planning here at Square Two, so you're the perfect guest to have on the show. Um, you know, when it comes to creating plans for revenue growth, it's such an important task for most companies, yet I feel like generally it gets left to the marketing team to come up with a plan of attack, and the sales team generally just looks at the number of salespeople it needs, and the customer service team looks at the number of customer service people they need. There's really no integrated, orchestrated revenue plan created at the highest level that is going to help companies literally get to their revenue goals. So, you know, we're talking about big growth company goals. You know, what are they? How do you reverse engineer that plan back into exactly what's needed across all three areas to deliver on the growth goals? Very few companies actually back into their numbers. So if they want to an incremental $2 million, $3 million, $5 million in revenue, and they're going to lose another couple million dollars in attrition. All right, I need $6 million in revenue next year. Each new client is worth X. How many new clients do I need? What is my close rate? What, what is my conversion rate from sales opportunities to proposals? Like very few companies go through that exercise to actually back into that, which would help you understand what kind of marketing budget you need? What kind of sales upgrades? What kind of customer service upgrades would you need? How do we need to improve that flow through to make it more efficient? There's just not a lot of those conversations going on. It's marketing. Okay, what do you need your budget to be? Sales, what do you need your budget to be? Okay, we'll work it out and off we go. So what I'm hoping we can cover today is what is the specific methodology 
for backing into metrics based on growth goals. That's going to help you to create a much smarter plan going into 2023. What are some realistic growth goals based on past performance and expected, expected investment levels? That's the other thing we see really quite frequently. Companies tell us they want to grow 20%, 30%, 40%. And we ask them, what's your budget to invest in this growth? And it's $2,000 a month, $3,000 a month. Well, I can pretty much promise you, you're not going to get to those lofty goals with a low investment like that as much as you want to think you can. There's 20 years of experience here that will tell you that's probably not going to happen. How do you build out a revenue gen generation plan that aligns with goals and investment? How do you keep that plan agile? Because honestly, businesses change very frequently. They, they need to pivot. There are likely going to be economic pressures going into 2023 that are going to make your ability to pivot and be agile very important. So how do we create a plan that is flexible and can adjust based on data? And then last but not least, how do you put a methodology in place to make sure that the execution is efficient and you're tracking the plan? Like there's a lot a lot, a lot to unpack here. So Kristen, you work with a lot of our clients on their planning. Um, we sat in, I, I sat in on a meeting today with one of our larger clients where you and our growth consultant presented their 2023 plan. You got very good feedback from them. How do you go about thinking about building this plan um, what, what are some of the things you're, you're, you're trying to check off? What are the things you're trying to make sure you get covered? Give our audience a little bit of like your thinking in terms of what needs to be in a plan in order for a company to, to hit its growth goals. Sure. Uh, so I guess from a very high level, number one, company vision and uh, uh, goals and objectives. So does the organization have a five-year vision and are they tracking towards that? And what is that vision? And then where do they stand today in achieving that vision and what's been going on with the business? So from a very high level, starting there, and then also understanding where is your baseline today and what have we accomplished and um, how close are we to achieving that vision? And then starting to map out based on what you know of the organization and the company and the market that you're trying to attract, uh, what are the main areas that you're going to have to tackle? So um, this also has a lot of nuance to it. Are you dealing with a new product, a new company? Do you have, are you dealing with working with an organization that is uh, mature and has been in the market and is well known? So that will also help you decide uh, what is the mix of marketing that you're going to have to tap into over the course of the next year uh, to help the company track towards their goals. So you're looking at, is it demand generation? Is it awareness building? Is it is it maintaining the, the brand presence? Is it, have do you have new products and offerings and so forth? So you need to have kind of that high level and that baseline um, to even start the process of, okay, these are the areas that we're going to tackle. Yeah, the, uh, the, the vision question is interesting. So you know, I, I don't know that a lot of people would consider the company vision as relevant to their marketing and, and sales and, and revenue growth goals, but it is. It's actually really quite quite critical. So could you talk a little more about how that vision informs the kinds of marketing plans we might create for a client? Sure. Um, so the, the vision should really inform um, everything that's going on with marketing and sales, right? Um, uh, is the vision uh, massive growth? Is the vision evolving a company into um, something that's more of a thought leader in an industry? Is the vision to become, um, you know, evolve the product offering so that the company might not even be what it used to be? Is it a going away from products and to services? Uh, so that that really is, if you're going to have a really strong strategy and if you're going to have focus and uh, anybody who knows me and has talked to me that I get on my soapbox a lot about focus and not diluting efforts and losing focus, because if you don't have that, you're going to be, which we've been throwing around a lot, the random acts of marketing, no matter how right. you try. So right. the vision gives focus to your plan. I also think the vision informs 
the story and the messaging, right? That that's also I think very relevant when we're talking about planning. You know, if 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 the vision isn't clear and articulated and everyone's on the same page, it's going to be hard for marketing to come up with some compelling and emotional and engaging stories and messages that will drive leads, right? The the vision has to kind of excite marketplace. It has to excite the employee base, the, the team members, has to excite the has to excite everybody enough for, for marketing to create this really engaging, compelling story around the company that will attract people to want to, to talk to the company, right? That that's kind of step one is like tell such a compelling story that someone goes, oh, I gotta, I gotta learn more about that, right? I gotta, I gotta sign up for this, I gotta visit this website, I have to read this this information that they're sharing. And ultimately I want to talk to someone over there because we might need what they're doing, right? That's that I think is an important connection between vision and what would get thought out and executed in, in this planning stage. Do you have anything you want to add to that? Uh, no, just what, I mean, yes, you're absolutely right. It is going to inform the messaging and, um, and then it's also going to inform where your priorities are going to lie in right. terms of marketing and sales um, are, and that message will then trickle down and perhaps take different forms or inversions um, for those different targets that you're going to be um, conducting outreach to. Right. Like I, I view this planning exercise as very linear. And I don't know if everybody else, I mean, I know everyone in Square Two looks at it like that, but I don't know that everyone in the in the world looks at it like that, right? Like you have to know, to your point, you, you kind of have to know where the company's going, right? That That's vision. You have to know what the company's story is, right? A lot of companies don't have that big story. And that is part of the strategy and planning exercises. What is the big story? They have to know how they stand out in the marketplace. Again, like a lot of companies, I think, blow by that and don't pay it the attention it, it really needs, again, in order to get traction. And that story and the differentiation and the go-to-market will inform the marketing and sales teams to design outreach and, and execute that outreach in a way that will produce better results, right? And, and I think the marketing team is usually just listing a set of tactics they're planning on executing. And maybe they're asking for a certain amount of money to execute those tactics, but it's rarely connected to the rest of the company. The sales team is generally handed a target that is likely some percentage higher than the previous year. And in my experience, lots of times that's random. Oh, the sales team did $10 million last year. This year, they'll do 12 million, right? 20% increase, it'd be great if we could do 12 million. Okay, your target's 12 million. Spread those, those that money out across all your sales reps. Everyone gets an increased quota in, in, in the upcoming year. Off we go, right? No, no talk about whether it's doable or not. No talk about you know whether the machine is behind them to support that kind of growth. Just if you did 10 million last year, you can probably do 12 million next year. Hire a couple extra reps, you'll be good, right? Um, I think that's probably one of the major reasons companies struggle to hit revenue goals is they're not really integrated with everything else going on in the company the way they should be. Like, where is the conversation about revenue from current customers? It's, it, it might be there if, you know, customer service has a quota or, or they're responsible for a piece of that revenue, but generally it's not part of that exercise. There's a, a retention expectation and, and that's that. And I think there should not only be a retention expectation, but a growth expectation from current customers. We're constantly recommending clients consider marketing to current customers because those people already know you, they already like you, and they already trust you. There's a, a wonderful opportunity to not try to sell them more things, but to help them understand what other people like them are doing with other products and services and get them interested in wanting to do some of those things themselves. That has to be part of this planning exercise also, and I'm not sure in a lot of cases it, it is. Um, 
while we're on the topic, let's kind of talk about goals, right? And specifically the investment required to, to get to goals. So, you know, we, we, we kind of like rattled off this, this, this back and napkin thing we do with clients where we obviously know what their current level of performance is. So ju just to be marketing and sales for the sake of this conversation, we know how many people are coming to their website. We know what their overall conversion rate is. We know how many uh, new contacts they're getting. We generally know what percentage of those new contacts are marketing qualified leads. We generally know what percentage of those marketing qualified leads turn into sales qualified leads. We know what percentage actually are good sales opportunities that sales is going to follow up on. And then we know what percentage end up with proposals and we know their close rate and we know how many clients they're getting each month and we know how much revenue is associated with that effort. Every client at Square Two has that data baseline so that we kind of know where, where we are, where we're starting this journey with them. The second part of that exercise is to model out what expected performance looks like. So if I was going to, to then model future performance to get them to their, in, in, our, in our working case study here, 10 to $12 million, they're gonna to need to do 20% more new clients at the same revenue level. So we would back into all those numbers, right? So let's just say for sake of our, I mean, everything has to go up 20%. It's not exactly how the math would work, but again, for, for the sake of our show and to keep things simple, we need 20% more traffic and we need 20% more leads, 20% more sales opportunities, you know, all that right, right down the line. How would you help a client figure out what level of investment would be required to do that kind of improvement so that they're not planning budgets and planning resources in a, in a, in a vacuum, but building it off of a very quantitative, quantitative set of, of goals and, and expectations? How would you advise the client to think about what their investment needs to be to get that all aligned? Uh, yeah. So again, it's all about baselines. So the numbers that you just talked about are kind of your your high level. So from a very high level, we have to have these this volume and this percentage and conversions across the board to to ultimately achieve our sales, our revenue increase for the year. So from there, again, going back to where are we tracking as a company and understanding these are my targets and this is the big opportunity for the year. Uh, looking into those areas and then starting to dig into uh, baseline current customer base, like what is a realistic expectation about uh, increasing services and getting additional revenue. Also looking at then the different areas that you're going to target and the ways that you're going to drive business. Um, and then figuring out what is your world of opportunity within those areas? What is realistically, what is your baseline? What is your market share? And then looking at, again, backing up the exercise of backing out how many leads do I need uh, and, and filling back your, your high level metrics, like where am I going to pull these, these opportunities, what areas have the greatest opportunity for me, the low hanging fruit, and where can I make the most traction within the next year. And then uh, identifying, okay, so then how, what are the channels, how can I attract how can I market to, how can I speak, how can I engage with these audiences and doing your due diligence, creating your plan and then your tactics and then gathering out your budgets. And then also understanding, again, going back to baseline, what do you currently have in terms of marketing? Uh, what are the materials you have to work with? What do you have to add to the bucket to actually do this and do it well um, uh, to achieve the goals that you put in front of yourself? Mm -hmm. I mean, we have a lot of data on our clients, right? We know, we literally know where the leads are coming from. So we know how many leads are coming from organic search, how many leads are coming from paid social, paid search, um, e email marketing campaigns. So are you suggesting that we, when we, when we look at the campaigns we're thinking about as part of our planning exercise, are you suggesting we look at each of those individual sources and make a decision about whether the campaigns are going to drive additional leads from all of those potential sources and then design the campaign 
execution to produce those business outcomes and then align costs with those expected campaign execution efforts. Is that is that kind of what, am I reading between the lines to, to put words in your mouth? <laughs> yeah, I think so. I think that's what I was saying, yeah. <laughs> okay, so basically that means, you know, you gotta look at every single potential campaign that you're planning on executing next year and what its contribution is going to be to your overall results. And make sure you have enough campaigns to execute to produce the results that you're expecting. It's possible that you may be looking for, you, when, you, when you add all that up, you, you may find yourself short, right? Like, okay, this effort is not gonna produce the visitors and leads and opportunities I need to hit my goal. So I need to do some other things. I need to plan out some other campaigns or I need to like look at what I'm doing in these areas and increase my effort to produce better results, right? You know, again, let, let's just pick one example just to keep it concrete. If I'm running a paid social campaign on Instagram and in 2022, I generated thousand leads over the course of the year, right? We have that data. We, we know that that's what happened. And of those thousand leads, 200 were good sales opportunities and 20 got proposals. Uh, we closed two of them for $200,000, right? Again, just making it up. If we want to double that effort to 2,000 leads, then we have to look at the budget we spent not only with that channel to buy the ads, but also the budget with the team to build the campaigns and design the creative and, and you know, write whatever the offers were gonna be and, and, and tune the conversion experience. So it's not just about the paid media budget, it's about the effort to build out the campaigns that we use on paid media. You might have to look at that very specifically, work on the budget for that specific channel very specifically, and then do the same thing for organic, the same thing for maybe you're doing paid LinkedIn, the same thing for email, the same thing for your website, like looking at each of the sources of potential leads and matching up expected results with expected investment. Uh, yes. And not to get too convoluted then. So yes, everything that you just said is correct. But then back to kind of what I said earlier of understanding baseline of, of where your business is and is it mature? Is it well-known? Is it a new new business? Is it a new offering? Um, like no Nobody can expect these days to do marketing, to invest in marketing and not expect a return on what you're uh, doing over the course of a year, right? But looking at, again, vision, Mike, to your point, that will inform messaging, but will also inform where, how aggressive are we supposed to be tracking? And so, well, campaigns and looking at campaigns is a, a key component to planning, what are the other things that you have to layer in? Like, what are the foundational elements that you need to be a part of your organization to help you gain momentum, not just for the next year, but then the years after, like generating and expanding and making sure that you're building awareness, trust, credibility, knowledge of right. your company. So some of those campaigns, yes, has to be driving leads and has to help you drive towards your revenue goals. But you also have to look at where you currently stand and what are the other efforts that you have to be putting in now that are more the long-term initiatives that are going to help you gain traction and, and, and gain momentum for the long run. Right. I know what you're saying. Um, again, like to... to... Uh, to read between the lines for our audiences that not every not every effort and every investment is directly related to specifically producing a lead or an opportunity. There are other marketing activities that need to be executed to help long term, right? Build build brand awareness, right? Get uh, um, I hate to use the name I hate to use the phrase get your name out there, but 
get people comfortable with your company, what you do and how you do it, right? They may not be ready to be an opportunity today, but they need to know about your company. They could leave job, they could leave their job, go to a new job where they are ready to consider something like what you do and they need to be aware of you. In a year, the company could be actually mature enough to be ready for whatever, whatever you do and they need to be aware of you. They might run into somebody and be like, oh, you know who you should talk to? Company X, like I just saw something from them. We don't, we, we don't need them, but it sounds like what you're saying is something that you're gonna need, right? Like that buzz associated with, with the company is just as important as producing a, a, a tangible lead or sales opportunity for the sales team. Is that, is that what you're saying? Yeah. Right. And it just has I to think be that's, that's difficult sometimes for people to put that in the category of, I want to invest in that. I think, especially, to, I'm not saying you're right. I actually think you're right. But I think today, many, many people are looking at their investment in revenue as more of like a one-to-one -one return, right? Like, I'm, I, I'm going to invest money in this. I want some business outcome out of it that I can like touch and feel. And brand awareness, brand equity, you know, uh, even demand sometimes is hard to measure. Uh, sh should should be a goal and, obje and an objective, but it's I think it's hard for sometimes for people to get their head around that. Sure, and it doesn't have to be done in a silo, but uh, it also can be connected to the campaigns that you're running very specifically for lead gen. But just keep this in mind: if you've never been out there actively marketing, if you've been relying just on word of mouth. And um, your expectation shouldn't be, this is my first go out of the gate and I'm going to generate a boatload of leads within three months because right. that's the way it works. People are not going to engage if they've never heard of you or don't have some right. inkling of, of who you are. And so at the very least in tandem, make sure you're getting in front of them on some more uh, baseline kind of foundational things, tapping into the pain and in a, in a way that communicates your value prop, right? Or what you're really great at and what you can bring to help them relieve that. And then, and then bring forward that, that chance for them to then engage and, and in some form. Yeah. I think this is especially relevant lately. You know, we've been talking a lot about uh, other people have been writing a lot about and, and, and publishing a lot about how digital has exhausted its user user base. Like we're all pretty exhausted from all of the digital outreach we've been getting. And what that means is the campaign execution is going to get less, it already is. It's becoming less and less effective. Like what we what marketers used to do a couple of years ago isn't working as well as it as it did a couple of years ago. It's getting harder and harder. It seems so easy, like send out emails, right? But the emails don't get through and no one's opening them and no one's clicking on them. Like, what's the point of sending them? Like people view it as this free marketing tactic, but what difference does it make if it doesn't work? So, um, and the reason I'm bringing it up is because there's been a lot of talk about this concept of community. Like Kristen, you and I have talked about this pretty frequently lately, um, but this idea of trying to create a community as being the new playbook to get prospects engaged in what you're trying to say, what you're what you're trying to do. And to your, your earlier point, the vision that your company is trying to achieve will work better if you can build a community of prospects and customers, people with like minds and like thoughts, interested in similar things, working together to, to make everybody, everybody better, right? That's kind of the definite, the high-level definite definition of a community. You know, building that might not produce a lead or a sales opportunity, but it's going to be a requirement going forward to get your prospects engaged in a in a marketing and then ultimately sales ultimately a sales conversation. So, I think leaders today, CEOs today, have to be smart enough to think about this planning exercise in a much bigger, broader way than maybe what they historically have. And I appreciate your point kind of pulling me up from, you know, campaigns and leads into a bigger, maybe even more inspirational attempt to build something of significance for the company, as opposed to simply executing some marketing campaigns that may or may not generate some leads. 
Right. And it's all connected, right? And then back to what we talk about, no random acts of marketing. All of this is connected. Like, you know, brand awareness isn't its own a silo and right. or uh, you know, cam- campaigns and lead generation and uh sales and, and closed deals, like all of that is is one big connected piece um that has to be working together when planning. Yeah, I mean, I yeah, uh, yes, of course. I mean, I think everything you're doing, this is also, we see this pretty frequently too, like, oh, I did this over here and it didn't work, uh, but we're doing this over here and it's not really working. Like, you know, we do talk about random acts of marketing. I feel like that's even something else, like random acts of marketing. It's just like, oh, buy some paid ads. Oh, it didn't work, whatever, right? Like, I think we're even talking about lots of companies have these, these, marketing programs that are executing and they don't they might not feel random but they're not connected and orchestrated and and uh omni-channel enough in today's environment to produce the kind of results people are expecting right and i think that does get back to planning what is our big story how are we going to roll it out over the course of the year what are we going to talk about in the first quarter what are we going to talk about in the second quarter what are we going to talk about in the third quarter what are we going to talk about in the fourth quarter how do we get important messages in during those quarters when maybe the topic might not be as relevant as the topic will be in the fourth quarter? Like those, that, those are all challenging conversations to have that need to be thought out so that you are getting full efficiency from your investment in marketing. I think the reason people are so frustrated with marketing today is they're putting money into it and it's not producing results. It's not for lack of trying. It's just for lack of thinking. You, know, you you really have to think through how everything is connected and the stories build on each other. And, you know, the reason we keep talking about community is because it, it, it can tend to pull everything together for you. If you're cr- creating a community of people who are trying to do similar things, then the stories are connected and the content is connected and the experiences are connected and the campaign messaging can get connected too. Um, you may not have ever, you may not have done it like that before, but I think going into 2023, if you don't do something different, you're going to be disappointed in your results. You're going to have worse results than you had in 2022. You're going to have to spend more money to get worse results if you don't start thinking about this a little differently. Agreed. And this might be a segue, but also that kind of goes back to your earlier point too of marketing and sales working together. Right. Um, and, and making sure you have that two-way dialogue to help inform what you're doing um, on both sides. It's a great point. Market as Sales has to continue the story that marketing told. Sales has to offer similar uh, opportunities to what marketing has told. Like if, if marketing is offer the, offering this opportunity for people to sign up and be part of a community, sales has to be talking to their prospects about the community and the advantages of being in it and helping their prospects want to be excited about being in it, right? And, you know, sales has to then roll feedback back to marketing about what components of the story are working and what components of the story are not working. Like, you know, in the second quarter, we're really going to focus on this. Well, you know, that that sounded good back in December, but now that we're in April and the world is different, like, I don't know if that's really the right story anymore. Like, sales has a wonderful pipeline to prospects, issues, and pains that has to make its way back to, back to marketing so that they can adjust the story and inform the campaign execution accordingly. And without that, your marketing is kind of flying blind. And without that connection, sales is not doing everything they could potentially be to guide their prospects to a good decision. You know, I like to use the guide that gets you to the top of Mount Everest, right? None of us could get there without a guide who has done it 20 times. When the guide goes, oh no, we can't go that way because it was especially warm last week and that part of the path is, is susceptible to cave-ins, you know, like you wouldn't know that unless you did this 20 times, right? So the, the conditions changed and what was a good path is no longer a good path. We have to go this way. So, you know, that's something that sales really needs to be aware of and, and adjusting their sales process and sales execution to provide that type of guidance to their prospects, which brings me to a real, a really uh, good point that I wanted to cover. You know, when I, I know this is a long time ago and I'll be dating myself, but when I ran marketing for uh, the software company I used to work for, 
I did a 12 month marketing plan and I presented it to the leadership team and everyone's like, yay, Mike, good job. Looks great. And I went back to my office and I guess they kind of executed it, you know, but no one really wanted to know where it was. I don't even know if I even looked at it more than a couple of times over the course of the year, kind of knew what was in it, but I really was just kind of like going with the flow over the course of the year. And we didn't really change our plans very much. We generally kind of stuck with what we thought was getting us where we needed to be. But it's not how people should be working today, right? And it's not how Square Two works with clients for, for very good reasons. And I'd like you to talk a little bit about, you know, what kind of mid-year planning process and how to adjust to changes mid-plan to help people. But, you know, today we're, 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 we're making decisions more based on data. So the data is informing us in terms of what's working and what's not working. And if I'm, lean, if I'm still running a marketing plan that I wrote six months ago, I haven't really looked at any of the data to decide whether this is actually working or not. So that's one thing that is kind of made the 12 month plan a bit antiquated. The other thing is the, the markets change very quickly today. And not even necessarily talking about economic market conditions, but just competitive market conditions. You know, companies are more uh, uh, ad adept at coming out with changes mid midstream. They're they're a lot of them are decent at adding new things in the middle of, of their go to market so that they can you know drive additional revenue. And you have to be able to respond to that. So there are a couple of things that that you uh, the audience should consider from a planning perspective. And Kristen, I'm wondering if maybe you could talk a little bit about agile and like where did that come from and the cycles that we typically run with clients to teach them this data-driven planning approach that integrates strategy and makes sure that the execution gets done when and, and the way it's supposed to. Yeah. Um, so again, starting at kind of then the, the 12, 12 month, so you do want to take a 12-month look and, and look at where the company and organization needs to, to, to go towards and where you are today in the market and, and what you think your, your best uh, path to success would be. Um, and again, that then provides focus, right? So again, key is, is focus and making sure you don't get too distracted with perhaps the bright, shiny objects that might come your way, um, but also having that that's that north star i don't know if that's the right word or so to always go back to and that doesn't mean that you can't change it or change direction but it will make you pause and say is this more important than this that we've already mapped out is this going to help us uh is this is this part of it no longer applicable? Has has the market shifted so much that we do need to change directions and go this way? But you should always be kind of checking against this plan to make sure that you're you're making the right decisions um, going forward. But then to Mike's point, everything we do today has has sped sped up you know, exponentially over the years, and things change fast. And if you're in if you're in a market, if you're in a business, if you're in an industry that does change fast, you're likely going to have to make shifts to your plan over the course of the months to come. Um, and so that's why we want, again, the, the levels of here's our here's our star that we're going to always be checking against. Um, but to get started and here are the priority areas, this is what we need to then accomplish in the first 90 days. Uh, so then it's it's then starting to break it down in, uh, in into buckets that are uh, that that you can more comprehend and wrap your head around. How am I going to start to execute this? And so the the next ninety days, you want to have a plan. Make sure then again you have your priority your priorities straight, and then out of that ninety days, start to then break down into thirty day uh, chunks. So each 30-day period, that's where you then can say, this is a reasonable amount of work based on resources, budget, et cetera, that we can get done. Um, and that is then definitely planable and get your team rolling on those 30 days and then start to execute, start to get some of the low-hanging fruit, 
start to get some of the shorter uh, runway in terms of the, the things that you can execute within 30 days out there and running, and then allow the campaigns and, and whatever it is that you're working on to start to gain traction. So bit by bit, make sure that you're, you're, you're pushing things out so that you can then start to get feedback and, and data. And I'm just assuming you're starting, you know, January 1st, not to, to mention mm -hmm. you probably have things running from Q4 from the last year that should be feeding insights and recommendations as well. So then as you go through that period, then again, visiting back to that, that 12 month goal and the plan and then saying, okay, this is what we did accomplish. Things went well or wait over the last 30, 90 days, uh, some things did change and this is how it shifted. But so we're going to push this back forward into the next quarter and we're going to bring in these, these items. And then as you have things running, the data should be informing also the decisions that you make, um, the campaigns, optimizations, how you should add, how you should evolve. And you should be, it should be a constant loop of what Mike was talking about, your conversations with sales, the two-way conversations to help you with your marketing initiatives, as well as marketing, talking to sales and saying, this is what's coming up, be prepared. This is going to be out in the market and you have this now to use um, throughout your sales process. Um, so that's the way you should be iterating to, again, maintain focus, but also at the same time, enable agility as things do shift and change. Now, you just always want that backstop to say, is this the right direction? Should we be shifting right now? Or is this a really, truly a bright, shiny object that we should put to the side? Yeah, that's a lot of good, good information there. I think one of the things I like the most about the 30-day sprint or we call it a sprint, but the 30-day work cycle is it does help people focus. It, it, it like locks in an agreed set of deliverables. Like, okay, you think we can do X, we think we can do Y. And I don't mean us. I mean, even when companies are talking internally, you know, you may have like leadership wants to do X and, and the people having to do the work says, well, we can, we can get to Y. Like, it gives you an opportunity to discuss those deliverables and agree on what's reasonable, right? Everyone has budget constraints. Everybody has resource constraints. Everybody has time constraints. So as much as you would want, you know, 20 things done in the next 30 days, that might not be reasonable with, with the current budget and the current resources. You may only be able to get 15 things done. And if resources and budget are not going to move, then you have to have an adult conversation around, okay, what are the 15 priorities of this list of 20, right? And then that's it. That's locked in. This is one of the things that's, that's actually beautiful about Agile is we're heads down on those 15 things. We've agreed that they are our priorities. We've agreed we can get them done. People doing them have agreed. The people wanting them done have agreed. The budget aligns, the resources aligns, the time aligns, like, okay, let's go. There's no ambiguity there. Um, if those other five things are are critical, then someone has to open up the purse strings. Someone has to say like, okay, like, oh, and more budget, you got it. Here, how much do you need? Here it is, great. Now we can do 20 things, right? There, everybody should be happy with that conversation also because now you, you've made some concessions to get more things finished in that same time period. You know, you can all, when, when budget's not an option, you can also say, look, it might take us two months to do something instead of one month. We're going to work on it a little bit at a time instead of all at once. So we can get some other things done too. Those conversations are very productive from a planning perspective um, when you're in the middle of the plan execution. Like we, we're, we're talking a lot about what goes into the planning exercise today, but when you're in that execution phase, you have to be able to adjust to shifting priorities and you have to adjust to shifting budget sometimes you know sometimes someone quits we don't we don't have this resource anymore okay how are we going to deal with that maybe that piece gets moved to another month maybe we try to hire someone maybe we get a contractor i don't know but you know those conversations are very productive conversations they're similar to the agile conversations in the software development space where you're agreeing to deliver a certain set of features in a certain time frame and then the next month you're working on another set of prioritized features, always trying to get better, always trying to add to. Nothing's like perfect and launched and then we're done. You're always trying to like add and optimize and make better based on feedback and data. So I think there's a lot to, to consider there. 
you know, when you're looking at planning for 2023. But I think it, it's more of a productive way to do it, given our environment and ecosystem today than maybe how I used to do it 20 years ago when I ran marketing for a software company. So something for everybody to consider. All right, Kristen, I have one more talking point that I want to get to before we wrap up. You know, uh, Eric and I talked about this last week, and I think it's interesting here too. Um, you know, there aren't really a lot of methodologies around revenue generation. Like marketing kind of does its thing. Sales does its thing. Customer service does its thing. Like even the technologies are kind of evaluated in silos. Marketing's looking at this tool. Sales is looking at this CRM. Uh, customer service has some other ticket tracking tool that they use, you know, however they, whatever their language is. There doesn't really seem to be like a unifying methodology or system around revenue, right? I'm just curious. You've, you've been in this space for a long time. You've worked with a lot of different companies. Why do you think that is? Like what, what's holding back the adoption of a more formalized system or methodology around revenue that we could use in the planning process, that we could use in the execution process, that we could use in the ongoing optimization and tracking process. What do you think is preventing that from becoming more mainstream? Uh, I think it's probably an evolution of, you know, it, it's come a long way. So I don't know, number of years ago, perhaps marketing and sales were very siloed departments. You didn't have the technology we have today, right? And then there are some, especially in the B2B space, some organizations that are more sales centric, some organizations that are more marketing centric. It is rare that we come to see an organization that has a, that is revenue centric, right? That's marketing and sales have, are working together and kind of have the same seat within, within the organization. Um, so I feel like it's like a, a slow path to get to, to, to truly, they might, people and organizations might realize that they need to be looking at it more as revenue generation and the teams together, but they, now you're talking about cultural shifts within organizations. And so I think that takes a long time to, to see that evolve. But then add the technology component. So CRMs have been around for a number of years now, marketing automation platforms as well. But now you saw the swings of that, like it started with Salesforce and then marketing automation platforms were something different. And maybe they talked together, maybe they didn't or didn't talk very well together. Um, and so for many years, you had disparate technologies and no way of really having the data and the information talk cohesively together to give you an actual true transparent picture. I think now, just within the past couple of years, we've gotten to a point with technology companies and technologies where integration and uh, the technologies are truly kind of built together. Uh, even if you are using two different systems, there is opportunity to have more streamlined way that they talk. And I think that that will help in, in pulling the marketing and sales departments together as well to allow them to have more productive conversations about what's going on, to actually look at the data that you've been talking about and uh, all throughout the marketing and the buyer's journey to actually have conversations about each stage of, because they have data, uh, something is amiss and uh, they have a baseline and they can now track and see how things can shift. Um, so yeah, so I, so I guess it's a combination to sum up my long ramble there, combination of cultural shift and uh, technology and transparency into what's happening. So you're kind of chalking it up to just legacy, um, uh, legacy perspectives on, you know, individual fiefdoms, right? Like marketing did its thing, sales did its thing, customer service did its thing, never the three should meet. And so no one ever really looked at this whole problem of revenue in kind of a unified way up until recently. I think that's a large part of it, or there was uh, unequal distribution and they didn't really connect as they should have. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, that makes sense. I think, 
I think we're about to be in a very exciting time around this particular topic. Um, I think, and, and maybe you're you're onto something here with this technology piece of it, but the introduction of technology across these three areas and this this concept of a revenue platform is going to make systematizing revenue generation much, I'm gonna say much easier. I don't mean easy, it's not gonna be easy, but it, it will be easier than it has been before. Yes. You agree with that? I do agree with that, yes. Okay, good. You know, I'm gonna say something too, I don't wanna scare you, but I feel like I'm looking at your fern right now <laughs> and I feel like I see a little skull in it. Oh, I hope not. <laughs> do, you, do, you, do you see what I'm talking about? Uh, kind of like midway down. Look in your look in your actual your 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 picture. My picture. Like right smack in the middle of the fern. Looks like a little skull peeking out. Oh. Maybe it's a Halloween homage to Halloween coming. Maybe. Out. I thought my kids put a skull in it, but <laughs> oh well maybe they did. Kristen, yeah. thanks a lot. I really appreciate you participating. Uh you brought some real interesting insight to the show today. Um, let's see. Next week we're going to talk about um budgets. You need an investment expectations to drive revenue. So today we talked about planning. Next week we talked about systems. Next we're going to talk about budget. And we'll dig deep into how to really come up with a budget. So many of the people we talk to about marketing say they don't have budgets, haven't done any budgeting. You really got to fix that. You got to go to market with a budget for your investment in this area. We'll help you out with that next week. So stay tuned. Um, episode 57 will be all about budget setting in 2023. Uh, to remind everybody, if you like the show, go over to YouTube, check out the Square Two Marketing channel. You can like us, you can subscribe, you can leave comments. All of the What's Wrong With Revenue videos are posted uh, on YouTube. If you're into audio formats and podcasts, tomorrow morning, the show will be on all your favorite podcast platforms. Go over, check it out, download it, subscribe to it, like, a, like it, leave us comments. Um, iTunes, Apple, Podbean, Stitcher. We're, we're on all of your favorite podcast platforms, so go check us out there. Square2 has a relatively new streaming service called Square2 Plus located at square2marketing.com backslash square2plus. We post all of our audio and video content there. We have channels for CROs, CEOs, CMOs, and we have a technology channel related to HubSpot where you can get uh, HubSpot-related videos as well. You can subscribe to it. And every time we post something new, just like Netflix, you'll get a notification and you can go check it out. If you like the show and you want to participate live, go to the bottom of our website. There's a what's wrong with revenue button. Click it. You can have the show added to your calendar. You can join us live every Wednesday at four o'clock and participate. You can submit questions, which we will answer. I know we haven't done questions in the last couple of shows, but we will get back to questions at some point. If you have a question, submit it. We'll answer them. And you can also subscribe to the show and we will email you a video of the show every Thursday morning. So please, thank you everybody for joining. Kristen, thanks again for being my able-bodied co-host. And uh, with that, everybody have a really good rest of your day. Thank you very much.